Hi there, my name is Natalie Nation and you're listening to Feed That Nation. registered dietitian, I'm a health educator, a content creator, and a self-proclaimed mac and cheese expert. I create content here on Feed That Nation all about college life, college health, and college wellness with the goal of helping you, my fellow college students, to be more successful, more confident, and more healthy in your student journey. Don't forget to subscribe to me right here on YouTube or on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Go follow me on Instagram and go check out my blog, feedthatnation.com. Also, go ahead and check out my affiliate partner, Coconut Whisk. Coconut Whisk is a gluten-free, vegan, and allergy-friendly baking mix company. They are based right here in Minnesota, and I love their products so much. You guys know I do. I talk about them every week. I am just so excited to be working with a company that has such a great mission and such wonderful products, and I want you guys to try out those products. So if you use my coupon code, FeedThatNation, you can get 15% off your online order, and I receive a small commission. Everybody wins in this scenario, so go check out Coconut Whisk. So today I want to talk about virtual networking. We are unfortunately a year into the pandemic now that we're in March, and honestly, that sucks. And I... I guess just like everyone else out there, I'm muddling my way through, making the most of it. A lot of days are better than others, a lot of days are worse than others, but something I feel like I've actually gotten the opportunity to do not more of, but I find a lot more meaning in it right now, is networking and virtual networking. And this is probably because I'm just starved for physical human contact and interaction, but I honestly am one of those people I love talking to new people. I love meeting new people. I love connecting. I love networking. And I know that's kind of unusual. I know a lot of college students have a lot of anxiety in that area. And I wanted to make this video to talk to you guys, give you some tips about how you can network more confidently and just get it done and really maximize that time that you have when you are virtually networking with other people. And the first thing that I want to say is Practice your elevator speech. And you've probably heard this before in different ways, but to me, an elevator speech is essentially 30 to 60 seconds of you being able to explain concisely who are you, what are you studying, where are you physically, and what do you want to do, and why. This, when you're thinking about, you know, what is in my elevator speech, you know, what is the most important things to have when I only have a little bit of time, you know, when you're asked to introduce yourself at the beginning of a job interview or a networking event, what are the most important things that I can say about myself? And I have a couple of tips for that. Number one is that think about this as you getting the opportunity to tell a story. And I love talking about storytelling and narratives within networking because essentially you get 30 to 60 seconds to set up the background, the plot, the action, the climax, and the resolution of your story to other people. And I think that's really fun because you get the opportunity to really showcase who you are and you get to be creative or you get to be serious or you get to be 
really whoever you are. And you guys know I have my own little pitch for Feed That Nation. You know, I say at the beginning of every episode, you know, who am I? What do I do? Why do I do it? And it takes like, what, 30, 45 seconds maybe. And that's important to me because I want anyone who stumbles across Feed That Nation immediately to know who am I, what am I going to be talking about, and who am I talking to. And that's kind of what you want to do with your elevator speech. The other tip I have for an elevator speech is it does not in any sense of the word have to be your permanent forever and ever amen plan that you are going to do this thing for the rest of your life and this is exactly what you want to do because honestly who has that figured out and I will tell you that my what I want to do for the rest of my life in air quotes changes sometimes monthly it has certainly changed so many times since I started my first year of undergrad it's changed a bunch of times since I started my master's degree and it's probably going to change a whole bunch more times as I graduate and get into my field so whatever elevator speech you come up with for a particular networking event or something that you're working with at the time it's probably going to change and migrate over time and that's okay. However, in the current moment, your elevator speech should be true enough and authentic enough to you that you feel comfortable saying it and talking about it and just being you in that 30 to 60 seconds. A key with networking and your elevator speech is that ideally your elevator speech will be specific enough so that people remember you. You are this person with this elevator speech, this is what you want to do, and obviously this is going to look different for every person. I gave you my elevator pitch for Feed That Nation, but your elevator speech might tell whoever's hearing it that you are a, maybe you're a high school math teacher major and your goal is to teach AP physics or math in rural Wisconsin because you really want to get more students into STEM. Or maybe you are going to law school and you really want to be a healthcare lobbyist and lobby for free insulin for every diabetic in the state of Minnesota. Maybe your goal is you are studying environmental science and you really want to work with small farmers for them to be able to afford to implement sustainable agricultural practices. The goal with the elevator speech is to be able to tell other people enough about you so that they can start to see either where they can personally help connect you to where you want to be, or maybe they know somebody who they could introduce to you to help connect you to where you want to be. If your goal is you really, really want to work in clinical research revolving around maternal mortality in the black community, maybe you telling me that makes me realize that I know somebody who does that kind of research, or I know somebody who is a black obstetrician or gynecologist who I would love to connect you with. Because networking at its heart is really about meeting people and connecting with people and building that network of people you have that you could potentially work with in the future or work for in the future or hire in the future or collaborate with in the future or teach in the future or be taught by in the future. And the key with any elevator speech is the confidence that you say it at. You want anyone you're telling it to to know that you are confident in where you wanna be and what you wanna do and who you are. And that kind of confidence honestly comes with time. And I'll say when I started with my elevator pitch for Feed That Nation, the little spiel I give at the beginning of every episode to tell everyone listening, what is this podcast? What do I do? Who am I? Who are my audience? What do I talk about? It honestly rolls off my tongue so easily now because I've been doing this for months. I've had this specific mission fleshed out for months now. But when I started 
I didn't have that and it took me a long time to get confidence saying it. And even introducing myself in my professional world, you know, who I am as an MPH student, who I am as a dietetic intern, I still have to practice sometimes saying who it is that I am and what I want to do and where I want to be with confidence. And so that's my advice to you is to think about what are the most important things to include in your elevator speech or your elevator pitch and then practice saying those things over and over and over again until you feel really comfortable, until you hardly have to think about it at all. Get another pair of ears or eyes on it, you know, have your friend, your roommate, your parents listen to you say this, and they can tell you this, you know, doesn't sound authentic, or this is amazing and this is so you. I think the other super cool thing about elevator pitches or elevator speeches is that this, you introducing yourself in this way gives people a really easy opening to start asking you questions. And obviously, when you're not working, this is a good thing. You know, maybe in your personal life, you really don't like answering questions about yourself. Maybe public speaking is not your jam. Maybe meeting new people is not your jam. But an elevator speech like this gives people the opportunity to ask you questions that you're going to be able to answer really easily. Going back to, let's say, the uh, healthcare lobbyist example, you are going to law school, you want to become a healthcare lobbyist so that you can help advocate for policies that bring free insulin to Minnesotans, every diabetic in the state of Minnesota. That gives people a great opportunity to ask you, wow, healthcare lobbyist, that's interesting. You know, what made you decide that you want to be a lobbyist instead of going for politics or studying medicine or pharmacy or whatever? And then you can explain that you are inspired to become a lobbyist because... Someone could also ask you about, you know, why free insulin for diabetics in Minnesota? And you might be able to then explain your why. Maybe you have a family member with diabetes. Maybe someone you knew growing up died because their family couldn't afford insulin. Maybe you yourself are diabetic. Maybe you're just really passionate about this cause. Whatever the case is, this really opens a door for people to ask you about that, which is a good thing. So moving on from the elevator speech, which you should have 30 to 60 seconds describing who you are, what you're studying, where you want to be, how you're going to get there, all of that in a nutshell so that other people can get to know you, get to know how they can connect with you or connect you with others, get to know you enough to ask more questions about that, get to get you talking about the things that you want to talk about. Aside from the elevator speech, I feel like it's important to differentiate that I see sort of two distinct categories of networking in college. And the first category is planned or formal networking or networking with people that you might potentially want to work with or work for. Maybe you're networking for the purpose of meeting a future employer or a future research opportunity. I would say this also falls under the category of specifically planned networking events. And obviously this is going to look different, particularly now in 2020, 2021 because of COVID, but whether it's an in-person networking event or an online event, a lot of these tips are going to apply both ways. I would say my first tip when you know that you're going to be going to a formal or a more formal networking type of event or networking with somebody who could potentially be a great mentor or an employer, I would think about your goal in approaching that one networking opportunity. You know, are you just wanting to meet people in the field, meeting future mentors? Are you actively seeking out a job or an internship? You know, what is your reason for pursuing networking? Because you might even be able to incorporate some of that into your elevator speech. 
If you're going to an event that's been formally planned either by some company or by your school, I would also think about what questions can you ask the professionals ahead of time, especially if you know who they are or where they work. You can really think specifically about, well, who are these people and what do I want to know about them, about their work, about their company? And I think some really great questions to ask professionals in a networking opportunity would be things like, what is the most challenging or the most rewarding thing about your current job? If this person is in a hiring role at that company, you could also ask them, what do you look for when you are hiring? Or what do you look for in a future employee or an intern or a future team member? You can ask them, if I was hoping to find a job doing what you do, what would I start to look for? Or what experiences would prepare me for a job like yours? You might also ask, how have your job responsibilities shifted in the 10 years that you've worked for insert company here? You can also ask, and I think this is a great one, what has helped you build strong, positive relationships with your community partners or with your contractors or with your clients? And these questions can absolutely be rephrased or reformatted in ways that make sense for your situation, ways that fit the way that you speak and you ask questions, and questions that will get your professionals that you're networking with talking. And I think that's great. You know, whether you are a future educator or a future biologist or a future nurse or whatever it is, future engineer, future dancer, future actress, there are so many different ways to network, and I think all of those are super fun. Asking questions is the way to learn more and to learn more about the types of jobs that you think you want to do, the types of jobs that you've never even considered but might be super interested in, all of that. I, you guys can tell how, how much I love networking. I just could talk all day about this, but I'll keep moving on. I think another key in any kind of networking situation, but especially in a more formal or planned situation where you might be trying to make a good impression on a future employer or hopefully find a connection that could lead to a job, is to actually engage. You know, be the person to speak up and ask questions. Be the person to continually kind of jump back into the conversation. Obviously, be authentic and do this in ways that feel right for you and who you are, but you're not really going to get anywhere with networking if you keep your camera off and you don't ask questions and you don't introduce yourself and you're just boring and listening. That's not going to help a future employer to remember you. I would also say on the flip side of that, when you ask questions or when someone else has asked a question, listen to learn. Listen to learn from this person rather than listening to respond because this happens in college. We all know somebody in that classroom who you can just tell when they ask a question or when they make a comment, they're not commenting because they're curious or doing this out of academics. They're commenting because they want to draw attention to themselves. Don't be that guy. My last tip for more formal networking situations specifically is to get contact information and follow up. Again, especially if this is somebody that you're hoping to work with in the future, somebody that you'd really love to learn more about what they do or where they work, get their contact information and just shoot them a quick email or connect with them on LinkedIn after your networking event and just say, hi, it was so nice to meet you and hear from you. I have these additional questions I was hoping you'd answer, or I was wondering if you'd be interested in chatting with me one-on-one -on -one or giving me an informational interview or going out for coffee or whatever it is. And I'll say that most networking events that are 
hosted by colleges or that are meant specifically for college students, the professionals who come to these and volunteer their time to speak at these are generally going to be very open to this. They want to connect with new people. Very rarely have they been dragged kicking and screaming into a Zoom call like that. You know, they want to answer your questions and get to know you and be a mentor or be a resource. So don't be afraid of that. The other, I guess, category of networking situations that I see a lot in a college life are more casual situations where maybe networking isn't the main goal of the situation, or maybe even it is, but you're usually going to be networking with your peers. These situations, I honestly think, are so much fun just because, again, I love talking to people. I love getting to know them. I love meeting my peers, whether they're at my school, at another school, wherever they are. I love networking and I have some tips for these more casual situations where they're not necessarily formally set up or formatted and they're probably going to be speaking with people who are academically more your equal. And my first tip, and this is especially relevant for Zoom calls, is to introduce yourself, obviously, using your elevator pitch if that's relevant, but then whenever you speak up again, be sure to use your name to say, hi, this is Natalie from the University of Minnesota asking a question, because then people will start to associate your face with your name. And along with that, if you are able to, camera on and smile. Nothing is more awkward or boring than a Zoom call full of people and like five of them have their cameras on and they're super engaged and then the rest of the group are just cameras off and not participating. And I know that not every situation allows for people to have their cameras on and I respect that. But if you are able to, this is a really great way to get some FaceTime in. And I mean that figuratively and literally. I think another really great way to network with your peers and to sort of build your reputation is probably the wrong word, but kind of build your standing with your peers to let them know who you are is to use their names and remember their names. If you're talking in a group and another person, Susie Q, makes a great point, later on, if you want to build on that point, you can say, wow, Susie, that was a great point. I would love to add to that. Or you can say, as Susie said earlier, this was what she said. Here's what else I'd like to add to this conversation. And this not only lets everyone else know that whatever you're saying is not your entirely own original idea, but it lets Susie know that you were listening to her. And that means she's more likely to remember you. I think another really incredible way to network with your peers is to hype each other up. And this is super fun in groups where you maybe have two or three people who know each other and two or three people who know each other, but not everybody in the group knows everyone else in the group. And I was actually on a call like this recently where we had a lot of students from different schools, but we had pockets of maybe three or four students from one school and three or four students from another school and... This is such a great way to hype up your peers. If you know one of your classmates is killer at X type of thing or really passionate about X type of thing and that topic comes up, you can draw them into that conversation or you can say, you know, my friend so-and-so knows a lot more about this topic than I do or I think my friend actually works at this company. I would like to hear what she has to say. And again, this is a great way to be the facilitator of making connections between other people but then also people are going to remember who you are because you were the person to say, Susie Q, I need you to meet my friend Mike over here because you both have similar interests. 
I hope that made sense. This is honestly something I feel like has come more naturally to me than it might come to other people, but I really want to share this because it's a great way to build connections and meet people when you're able to hype up your friends and introduce them to each other and help people instigate those connections. I think my last tip when you are networking with your peers is to give. Don't just take. You know, you're coming into this conversation and there are going to be people who are going to be really interested in throwing a link into the Zoom chat or sharing their screen or offering to send an email or a resource to somebody. That's great. And it might not always be relevant for you to give in that situation, to give a resource or to give an email or to give a link. But if you can, do it. You know, if you're going to talk about a Facebook group that you're in that's been really helpful, share the link of the Facebook group. If you're going to talk about a website that you think is a great resource for the topic you all have been talking about, pop the link in the Zoom chat, you know? Give. Don't just take from these situations. And whether you are connecting with professionals, whether you're connecting with people that you would like to work for or work with one day, whether you're connecting with your peers, I think LinkedIn is awesome. I think LinkedIn is even better than Facebook because there's no awkwardness because it's just you connecting with professionals. Connecting on LinkedIn, whether you were networking with a future employer or professional in the field or whether you were networking with your peers, connecting on LinkedIn really gives you the opportunity to help keep people on your radar that you want to kind of keep track of. You want to see what they're doing. You want to see where they go. And then it gives them the opportunity to put you on their radar too. A couple more tips for networking in more professional situations, even if you don't think you're going to need your resume or a resume, I would recommend having one anyway, even if it's just a PDF or heck, keep your LinkedIn super updated and current and full of stuff and have that as a resource so that if people are wanting to connect with you further, wanting to know your experience, if you get offered a job or an internship opportunity, you have that ready to go. I want to address social media as a big aspect of networking because, well, a lot of reasons actually, but one of which is that social media can be a really incredible networking tool for you. I've made a lot of really great connections on social media, and these are people that I might never actually meet in real life. I've only met them through interacting with them on Instagram, or maybe I met them on Zoom and now I follow them on Instagram or whatever it is, but these are people that could be really incredible resources for me one day. You know, these are people who, if I ever decide to move to New Orleans, well, I know a few dietitians in New Orleans. Or if I ever try to get a job at X company, I know a few dietitians who work at that company. And that can be really cool, and it's so much fun to network with and meet new people on social media because it's so casual. But I think another piece of that is not every professional who's on social media uses their social media professionally. And it's usually pretty easy to tell in those cases if you are searching for someone that you've met at a networking event and they have a private profile or most of the things on their profile are unrelated to the fact that they work in X field. Maybe Instagram or whatever isn't going to be a great networking platform for you to get to know them better. But if you are following a biologist and they have a public Instagram or Twitter or whatever profile, and it's very clear on that profile that they talk about biology, and this is an extension of who they are as a professional on that social media platform, that can be great. I will say, though, that this kind of goes both ways. This goes for you, too, because... 
in a lot of situations, if you're applying for a job or you're meeting people or you are trying to make an impression on people and you succeed, one of the things they might do is they might look you up on social media. They might look you up to see, well, are you on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? Are you on TikTok? Are you on whatever? In some cases, this can be really cool and positive and beneficial. But you also have to think really hard about, if I have a public social media profile, and by public, I mean a profile that can be easily associated with who you are as a professional in the field that you work in or want to work in, does the content that you put on your social media profile reflect how you want to be seen as a professional? If you are putting content out there and your content is public and you have your first and last name and your school or your company or your location on your profile, anyone can find it. And anyone can associate that profile that they see with you as a professional. I had to think a lot about how I wanted to address social media on this episode, and I have a whole episode talking about healthcare ethics on social media, but I also want to say here that the idea that example, actually not that far off of an example, but there was a big thing on Twitter a while back that judged medical professionals, specifically women, for having pictures of themselves in bathing suits on their profiles and saying that, you know, these doctors who post bikini pics can't obviously be good doctors because they post bikini pics. I think that is crap. I think that a person's ability to be a professional and work in a professional environment is hardly ever directly correlated to what they post on social media. That being said, people are going to judge you as a professional for what they see on your social media profiles, and I just want you to be aware of that so that you can be prepared to make whatever decision makes the most sense for you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Leave this video a thumbs up and definitely leave me a comment below. Talking about networking this week, let's get a conversation going about networking as a college student. I will also, as per usual, give you my food, my follow, and my fun for the week. My food this week is pretty simple. I've been having milkshakes a lot this week. I've just kind of been... I don't know, maybe feeling the effects of my ADHD medication a little bit, which kind of throws my appetite in a weird loop. And so sometimes if I just don't feel like I can eat a meal, I will drink and I'll have a smoothie or a milkshake or a fruit smoothie with a scoop of ice cream in it, which is essentially a milkshake. But I'm not judging me and I don't really care whether or not you judge me. So I've been having a lot of milkshakes this week. My follow this week is going to be somebody that I started following a few months ago. She is a... I don't actually know what she does, which is kind of funny, but she is body positive. She is hilarious. She teaches bar classes. She's got a really great Instagram, and her name is Lauren Lavelle. She's at Lauren Lavelle Fitness, and I will leave that link below. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing her last name right, but I've just been so uplifted by her content lately that I really want to recommend for you guys to go follow her too. My fun this week is definitely that I rediscovered an old game that I used to play when I was in middle school and high school. It's called Chuzzle, and it's a little bit like, I think, Bejeweled, where you, like, drag rows and you make matches of different colors and shapes, and it's called Chuzzle. I found the app on iTunes, and I don't know if there's an Android equivalent, but it's just so fun, and I've just been enjoying having a little bit of a goofy thing on my phone to just play a few games, kill a little time, and to just get a little bit of an escape. So definitely go play Chuzzle. 
and I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I was so blown away by the kindness that I received from you guys with my episode last week. That was a really big episode for me. It was really big emotionally. It was obviously a big topic, and I'm, you know, really honored that people responded so positively to it, so thank you. I will see you guys this Saturday with a vlog, and I will see you next Wednesday with another podcast. Until next time, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. Have a great day, and I'll see you soon.